Allow me to read from today's passage, which comes from Acts chapter 1, verses 1 through 12. In my former book, Theophilus, I wrote about all that Jesus began to do and to teach until the day he was taken up to heaven, after giving instructions through the Holy Spirit to the apostles he had chosen. After his suffering, he showed himself to these men and gave many convincing proofs that he was alive. He appeared to them over a period of 40 days and spoke about the kingdom of God. On one occasion, while he was eating with them, he gave them this command. Do not leave Jerusalem, but wait for the gift my father promised, which you have heard me speak about. For John baptized with water, but in a few days you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit. So, so when they met together, they asked him, Lord, are you at this time going to restore the kingdom of Israel? He said to them, it is not for you to know the times or dates the Father has set by his own authority, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. After he said this, he was taken up before their very eyes, and a cloud hid from their sight. They were looking intently up into the sky as he was going, when suddenly two men dressed in white stood beside them. Men of Galilee, they said, why do you stand here looking into the sky? This name Jesus, who has been taken from you into heaven, will come back in the same way you have seen him go into heaven. Then they returned to Jerusalem from the hill called the Mount of Olives, a Sabbath day's walk from the city. This is God's word. Good morning, everyone. My name is Andrew. Welcome to worship. I am honored and grateful that I could preach the Word of God with you today. For the past few months, we've been preaching on a sermon series on our core values. Today, we'll be focusing on movement. Now, we believe that one local church cannot address the tremendous needs of the city by itself. However, we believe that intimate local partnerships within the city empower many to plug in to a movement of grace for the sake of the gospel. So today's passage is going to be on Acts 1, verses 1 through 12. It's on, it's on the ascension of Christ. Now, most people, many people, they focus on the birth, uh, the death, and the resurrection of Christ. However, I believe that the ascension is just as important. In verse 1, it says, in my former book, Theophilus, I wrote about all that Jesus began to do and to teach. In the former book, which is the Gospel of Luke, Luke ends it with the ascension. In Acts 1, Luke begins with the ascension. Meaning, if the Gospel of Luke was about all that Jesus began to do and teach, Act 1 and forward is about all that Jesus continues to do and teach. And this is significant, and this should get your attention because often, you know, a lot of us may feel like God is not present. We may feel like, you know, He's not with us. Now, there are people we know who are sick, and, you know, work is tough. And even at home, we can't find rest. There seems to be a lot of sadness and brokenness. 
But this passage is saying, although Jesus ascended, he is with us. He's continuing his work. So we're going to talk about the ascension, how that gives us a reassurance because he is with us. How that gives us the fullness of Christ because we receive him in full. How the ascension gives us the power of the Holy Spirit. So three points. Uh, reassurance, fullness, and the power of the Holy Spirit. First point, reassurance. In verse 3, uh, it says, After his suffering, he showed himself to the man and gave many convincing proofs uh, that he was alive. He appeared to them over a period of 40 days and spoke about the kingdom of God. Now, it's important to know that Jesus appeared to them as in human form. Jesus appeared to them in 40 days, convincing them that he was alive. And while he was alive and as he was talking to the disciples, he was talking to them about the kingdom of God. Because kingdom of God is a very important theme for Luke. It's in throughout the gospel of Luke. And at one point, Jesus actually said, the kingdom of God is near, is here. So if the kingdom of God is here, that means the king has arrived. The king is here. And Jesus is saying, I'm the king. I am the, the one that rules. And I'm alive. And this is important because many religions, all the religions, in fact, in the world, the founders are dead. Whether it's Buddhism, Confucianism, or Islam, the founder of those religions are dead. But Luke is saying, Jesus is alive. He is king. He has ascended into the throne. Hebrew 12, 2 says that he is sitting in the right hand of God. And that means we could go to him because Jesus is alive. Because Jesus is with us. You know, we could go to him. He will hear us out. He understands. And there is our reassurance. But Luke doesn't just say that Jesus is alive. Luke also said Jesus has just begun his mission. Our second point, fullness of Christ. In verse 4, Jesus commands, the disciples, do not leave Jerusalem, but wait for the gift my father promised, which you have heard me spoke, speak about. Verse 5, for John the Baptist, uh, John baptized with water, but in a few, few days you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit. Ba we'll be baptized, which means we'll be, clean, we'll be cleansed. Uh, there's a cleansing aspect to baptism, but this verse is also talking about indwelling. You, you see, most people, and maybe some of you, are wondering why baptism of Holy Spirit, well, you know, being baptized by the Holy Spirit, is more significant than being baptized by John and the Jordan River. And for me to explain, we must venture out into John 20, uh, in, in the context of John 20, where Jesus is resurrected, where Jesus shows himself in front of Mary Magdalene. Mary and Jesus had a very close, intimate relationship. Yet, when Jesus died, Mary was devastated. Mary was in, a, in, in agony, in mourning. So imagine having Jesus show up in front of you. Mary just jumped. She, she clung on to Jesus. But strangely, Jesus said in verse 17, um, Do not cling on to me, for I have not yet ascended to the Father. It's strange because in verse 27, he talks to Thomas saying, touch me. 
put your hands on my side. Look at my hands. So what did Jesus mean, don't cling on to me to marry? It wasn't about touch. Jesus wasn't saying, you're, t- you're too unclean and too holy, so don't touch me. It's more about um, the access. Mary wanted Jesus then and there, now. But Jesus is saying, no, not yet. You can't have all of me until I ascend. Because if Jesus stayed on earth, he'll be limited. He'll, be only be, he'll only be available at one place at one time. But because Jesus went up and the Holy Spirit came down, if we're baptized by the Holy Spirit, we have all of Jesus all the time. And all the decisions we make in every way. This is why the ascension is so important. We could have Jesus in full through the Holy Spirit. Now, at this point, we talked about the ascension, how that gives us an assurance. How that gives us uh, Jesus in full. Last thing, the, the ascension gives us the power of the Holy Spirit. Verse 6. When they met together, they asked him, Lord, are you at this time going to restore the kingdom of Israel? And this is a natural question uh, for the disciples and for the Jews at the time because they were under a Roman Empire. So they're asking, Jesus, you've been, you've been resurrected. You defeated death. And when are you going to restore Israel, our context? And many of us probably feel the same way. Jesus, when are you going to restore us? Jesus, when are you going to uh, restore uh, this country, this world? But Jesus graciously and gently answers in verse 7, It's not for you to know time or uh, dates the Father has set by His own authority. Jesus gently says, It's not for you to know. Sometimes I find myself negotiating with with God. Sometimes I find myself saying, God, I believe you, I accept you, but why can't you explain why there's suffering in the world? But why can't I have that job? Why can't I have that person in my life? I often, I don't know if you guys feel the same way, but I find myself negotiating and arguing with God. God, I believe you, I'll submit, but will you give me this? And and friends, we're called to submit to his authority. Jesus is saying, it is not for you to know, but to trust and to submit and to receive the power of the Holy Spirit. In verse 8, it says, you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the end of the earth. The verse is clear. The power is to be received, not earned. The power is to be received, not taken. The power is to be received, not sought. So a lot of us, though, we constantly fight God for control. And instead of receiving, we want to earn in verse 4, in our text today, it says the gift um, of, from the Father that promised, that He promised. But in other translations, they don't have gifts. But I think it's fitting. Because in order for you to receive, it's a gift. To receive a gift, 
you it requires humility because if you have to earn if you have to work for something it's not a gift it's more of a reward to give you an idea of, of what I mean uh, there was a time when a group of our friends uh, gathered with a mutual friend outside of the church uh, this person was visiting and there was no real apparent reason uh, for doing this but we got him an airpod we got him a really nice gift uh, because you know we we just cared and loved him and we thought that there would be a need right that it would be useful so we had a good meal gave our speech give give the gift to him and afterwards on our drive uh, drive home my friend said to me bro I didn't know it took humility to receive a gift and I asked him what do you mean and he said I don't know what I did to receive it I don't I didn't feel like I earned it I don't think I deserve it and many times if we're honest we wanna we want we want to earn more than we want to receive we want a reward instead of a gift we yearn for the power on our own terms and and in our life we want to redeem our lives with our own power so what do we do many of us uh, we try to redeem our past uh, failures with success many of us try to redeem our past regress with present happiness many of us try to redeem our past relationships with other relationships however this is unstable because our success leaves us more empty than not and when we fail if we ever fail uh, we're devastated our our happiness comes and goes like the wind blows right it comes and goes it doesn't last and there's a fear fear that we might lose a relationship or fear that we won't have the relationship that we hope for it's a powerless life many of us try and try to earn power but ultimately leads a powerless life we fight God for control because we want to be our own king and it's hopeless but let me introduce you to Jesus because Jesus is our king Jesus rules but he's also our Redeemer and our friend in Isaiah 44 21 to 22 it says this remember these things O Jacob for you are my servant O Israel I have made you you are my servant O Israel I will not forget you verse 22 I have swept away your offenses like a cloud your sins like the morning mist return to me for I have redeemed you see in ever since Adam and Eve ate from the uh, knowledge of the good and evil a tree of the knowledge of good and evil there was a separation and all humanity in God's eyes were lawbreakers covenant breakers right there's a cosmic lawsuit against us because all of us reject God's rule and we have all uh, we are not pr humble enough to receive his power we're on trial uh, on the on the seat uh, of the judgment but Jesus our advocate our mediator is saying no let me take the seat he took the chair from us and and he has redeemed us because in order for us to have ultimate assurance Jesus had to lose his assurance
In order for us to have the fullness of God, He had to be emptied on the cross. In order for us to have ultimate hope, Jesus had to be forsaken. In order for us to receive the power of the Holy Spirit, Jesus had to become powerless. You see, Jesus lived the life that we should have lived and died the death that we should have died. So that if we believe in Him, we will receive and be filled with the power of the Holy Spirit. There is no need for you to seek your own redemption because God has redeemed you through His Son. In verse 22, it says, I have wiped away your offenses like a cloud. Your sins like the morning mist. Return to me, for I have redeemed you. Friends, if God is in front of you, face to face, and He could say one thing, what do you think He'll say to you? He'll say, come here, my son, my daughter. I have redeemed you. And if you believe this, if you if you'll submit to God's authority, if you will accept Jesus as your king, you're going to have power. Because success will no longer rule you. And failures will no longer devastate you. Happiness will turn to joy and our regret will no longer haunt us. Our present relationship will be more freeing and we will no longer live in fear. If you believe this, it will change you forever and you will become a witness. In verse 9, after saying everything, Jesus actually went up and Jesus ascended right before their eyes. And in verse 10, it says that the disciples look up into heaven almost like dumbfounded until two men came down uh, with white robes, gently rebuking them in verse 11. They said, why do you stand here looking into the sky? They're basically asking, why are you looking up in the sky as if all hope is gone? The same Jesus who has been taken from you into heaven will come back in the same way. Which means the implication is that the church is called to engage in the mission of spreading the gospel throughout the world, having full assurance that Jesus will return. So, if you believe in the truth of the gospel, we're called to be witnesses. We're called to bear witness. We're called to bear witness and testify that the judge has taken the place of a guilty. We're called to bear witness to the beauty of the gospel that lib liberates us. We're called to share with one another that salvation cannot be earned, but only received as one receives a gift. As the disciples are called to bear witness to Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. Friends, we're called to bear witness in our homes, to our friends, in our neighbors, in our workplace, in our church, our city, and wherever we go. Because when you tell people about Jesus, they're hearing the voice of Christ who speaks through you. For Jesus continues his mission through you who believes in him. So I want to end this sermon with verse 12. It says, Then they returned to Jerusalem for the hill called the, uh, from the hill called the Mountain of Olives, a Sabbath day's walk from the city. 
the disciples are flawed. They didn't get it. But ultimately, they, they submitted. Ultimately, they trusted and they obeyed. So the question I want to leave off with you is this. Do you trust Jesus? Do you want to submit to Jesus as a king? Do you want to bear witness to our city? Let's pray.